Hello and welcome to this ACE Oncocast. This week's podcast is entitled Clinical Management of Advanced Urothelial Cancer. My name is Rob Coleman and I'm a medical oncologist at the University of Sheffield, United Kingdom. I'm delighted to be joined today by two leading experts in the field. Dr. Leonardo Hayes from the University of Campinas in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and Dr. Gunter Negish from the Dusseldorf University Hospital in Dusseldorf, Germany. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. The first clinical case is based on a patient with metastatic bladder cancer and is a 72-year-old Caucasian female who two years ago had muscle-invasive bladder cancer treated by radical cystectomy with the fashioning of an ileal conduit for urinary drainage. Currently, she has rather poor renal function with a creatinine clearance of 45 mils per minute, but otherwise her full blood count liver function tests are all normal. And about six weeks ago, she started to complain of back pain and cough. The pain was poorly controlled by simple analgesics and a CT scan was ordered and showed that she had now got enlarged iliac and periaortic lymph nodes and several small but definite lung metastases. A biopsy was performed of one of the enlarged lymph nodes and confirmed that this was recurrent transitional cell carcinoma. And a DACO IHC for PDL1 was performed, which was shown to be positive. She also has some comorbidities. And so her diagnosis is of recurrent metastatic bladder cancer. So, Gunter, if I could come to you and ask. Uh, how would you treat this patient? We have a number of options, obviously uh, combination chemotherapy with checkpoint inhibitors, maybe a checkpoint inhibitor alone, chemotherapy alone, or chemotherapy followed by maintenance immunotherapy. Uh, so maybe you would like to tell me what you would do in your practice and why. So in my opinion, uh, this is a classical patient for a treatment with um, a combination therapy with gemcitabine and carboplatinum. Obvious, uh, her renal function is too bad to give her a cisplatinum, which I like, I prefer. But in this case, it's, uh, it's only carboplatin, which is possible. And uh, following this treatment, if uh, she responds to uh, this uh, combination therapy, uh, meaning she shows a complete partial remission or stable disease, in the follow-up CTs, I would start in um, maintenance therapy with Avelumab. And Leo, what about in your practice? Yeah, uh, it's, it's the same. And I would add that... Uh... Uh, immune checkpoint inhibitor uh, monotherapy would be uh, an option uh, for the cisplatin ineligible. And, and uh, it's important to highlight that uh, uh, platin uh, ineligible is, uh, is poorly defined sometimes and, it, and, and patients are very heterogeneous. So it depends on which uh, uh, aspects uh, are considered to, to, to call the patient cisplatin ineligible. So that's what, what we, we can use to decide if we can uh, uh, still uh, uh, think about uh, chemo or, or, or consider uh, checkpoint inhibitors. Uh, and also the, the toxicity uh, profile for checkpoint inhibitors is, is also uh, favorable. 
So that's why we, we, we should consider and, and, and remembering that the patients are heterogeneous. So it's, uh, it's case by case thing. Thanks. And Leo, in terms of using checkpoint inhibitors as part of the initial treatment for this sort of patient, uh, what data do we have supporting that? Can you just summarize some of the key trials? Yeah, so uh, we have the Keynote uh, 52 and, and, uh, and also uh, uh, the Invigor uh, 130. So uh, these are those that, that can be relied on. And were those uh, benefits restricted to pdl one positive patients or do they apply to all patients? Okay. Good point. So uh, the PD the PDL uh, or PD1 uh, positivity uh, shows those that have the, the better chance to respond, but even those that, that are negative can respond. So if you have positivity, that's a good point. That, that's a good information. This, this is a, a additional reason to consider uh, immune checkpoint inhibitors. But otherwise, if there is there are negative. Uh, so they, they can also respond. So in, in other words, uh, the point is uh, this is a dynamic and there is also uh, aspects related to uh, sample, uh, which tissue are you analyzing, uh, tumor heterogeneity, that, that's what uh, explains uh, such uh, uh, variation in terms of uh, even the negative can respond, but usually the, the positives are the better responders. Thank you. And Gunter, both of you favored using uh, carboplatin-based therapy followed by maintenance treatment. Can you summarize the, the study that supports that? Yeah, the study supporting the maintenance therapy uh, in contrast to the, um, to the upfront IO chemotherapy combinations, which my colleague just emphasized, is the Jefflin Bladder 100 trial. Um, this was, was a trial where patients underwent an upfront chemotherapy by 46 cycles of um, gemcitabine cisplatin or gemcitabine carboplatin in, in case there was cisplatin ineligible. And, and following this treatment, um, patients who responded with at least a stable disease, they were randomized uh, between having avalumab or best supportive care, so meaning just uh, clinical follow-up. And in this trial, um, what you can see is an, a clinical significant uh, survival benefit in the patients undergoing maintenance treatment. It was a survival benefit of more than seven months. So this is really clinical relevant. And um, in the, in the follow-up post-hoc analysis, uh, it was checked whether the benefit was uh, seen uh, in, in both treatment groups, so meaning by gemcitabine cisplatinum or gemcitabine carboplatinum, and the survival benefit was maintained in the gemcitabine carboplatinum group as well. And uh, this is the uh, this is the rationale for um, for using this uh, this approach with a maintenance treatment in this old lady. So one point is that that this became a standard of care. So the maintenance treatment. So it's it's something we should also uh, usually consider. Yeah, and 
I mean, playing devil's advocate, why is that better than waiting for relapse and using an immunotherapy agent as second line treatment? Um, in my opinion, because uh, when you wait, you will lose patients, which you will not identify when they're on a relapse. Based on a German registry, uh, registry trial, uh, you will lose about uh, about 60% of patients when just putting in follow-up. Even in my practice, where I think I do a very close monitoring of the patients, I will lose about 40% of patients, which uh, have a recurrence or deteriorate from their general condition or, or miss follow-up investigation. And this is one point uh, which is uh, the, the strong, which is a strong, um, has a strong impact of the good results of the uh, of the um, maintenance trial. Further thing, why we have these good results in the maintenance trial is is the obvious patient selection. Uh, you only select patients that have respond to chemotherapy. You only have patients in which the response is maintained at least four weeks or up to 10 weeks. So there was a treatment-free interval. So you really have uh, a selection of good patients, but in these good patients, when you select them, probably you have a real relevant clinical benefit. Thank you. That's really interesting. And, and Leo, how long do you give maintenance therapy for in both in your practice and in the trials? Uh, usually uh, until uh, an acceptable toxicity progression or up to two years usually. But uh, uh, toxicity is important and also progression. And how do you find the toxicity with maintenance of Alumab? What, what do you find are the major challenges with that regimen? So uh, it depends on, on, the, on the patient base. It's, it's individually uh, in, uh, analyzed this, this aspect. So uh, uh, usually uh, it's, it's, it's uh, acceptable that toxicity is, 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 is not the, the main problem, but is one of the things we, we look for. Do you have to make many dose reductions or interruptions or do you find you can just keep going most of the time? No, uh, usually we can keep keep going. Yeah, yeah. Gunter, anything to add from the, your yeah, experience? That there's sometimes um, there's sometimes issue regarding toxicity, which are not not that acute, but uh, there are patients that may develop an arthritis or uh, develop uh, develop skin toxicities that they're not quite dangerous for the patients and you can keep on doing this, but when the pain has, uh, has issues with his uh, bones and joints for several months, this may be a limiting cause for the treatment. But generally uh, there are no toxicity or a few toxicity issues with the maintenance therapy, not uh, more than when doing second line treatment or other treatments with immune checkpoint inhibitors. Thank you. And um, Leo, are there any biomarkers that we should be paying attention to? Or is, I think Gunter said, basically this treatment seems to work in everybody who's responded to chemotherapy, but are there any biomarkers that might help uh, pick out who's going to do best? Yes, uh, number one, uh, talking about uh, immune checkpoint inhibitors, uh, the PD well, uh, one is important, and and it's uh, it's uh, variable how uh, 
they are considered, uh, for example, for, for atezolizumab is uh, over 5%, uh, for Pembro over 10 so and, and different also different uh, 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 antibodies to do that. So there is also a, a challenge to define uh, 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 one cutoff for this thing. So uh, usually over 5% uh, is something that, that is, is, is good for atezolizumab, while uh, for Pembro over 10%. Also, one thing to be considered in this scenario is that atezo can, can have uh, a little um, uh, better, I would say, uh, uh, toxicity profile uh, in such a scenario. So, for example, if you have a PDL1 uh, or and have both options uh, between 5 and 10 percent, you have information to go with uh, atezolizumab uh, compared to pembrolizumab. So usually we do a PDL thing uh, uh, as a marker for for this kind of, of uh, considerations, as I, I told you. So even if PDL is negative, we won't uh, uh, lack uh, or we we will we will still offer immune checkpoint inhibitor because they still can respond, though. Those the best the best responders are the, the those with higher positivity for PDL one. So uh, answering uh, direct uh, in more direct uh, form, uh, no no very good marker, no uh, uh, marker that can be used as, as routine. If only a PDL one marker for, and even PDL one is not uh, uh, the, something that will uh, make a big change. Okay. Well, thank you, Leo and Gunter, for this great discussion, and thank you for listening. Stay tuned for next week's ASONCOCAST as we discuss a clinical case of a patient with pretreated metastatic bladder cancer.